Welcome to The Quiet Life. I'm Michael James Wong, meditation teacher, author, founder of Just Breathe, and your host for this podcast. Now it goes without saying that we're living in an uncertain time where everything is changing rapidly. We're living day to day, unsure of the road that lies ahead. And things are getting a little or a lot quieter. So join me on this podcast as we speak to experts and inspiring voices about home practices for your mind and mental health during this time of uncertainty. Listen in as they share their thoughts and daily practices you can do wherever you are. Welcome to The Quiet Life. This week on The Quiet Life, I'm speaking to Lisa Darren Grossman, who is the founder of The Connection Cure and has really made it her life's work to listen and learn and really engage conversations around loneliness, connection, and compassion, which I find really interesting, especially during these times during lockdown. Lisa's a New York native, and she's currently living full-time on the road as part of a cross-country human engagement journey, which is exploring a lot of face-to-face connections, really as a catalyst for healing and wellness. Obviously, right now, considering that we're recording this during isolation, she's locked down in a yurt in Montana, which we'll talk more about when we get her on. But she is a speaker and a facilitator and a coach, and her focus is to really bring people together that aims to work towards destigmatizing loneliness and sharing a lot of information, both emotional and scientific, about the ways in which we can build sustained connection with ourselves, each other, and as a community. This is my conversation with Lisa, and I hope you guys enjoy. Hey, Lisa, how's it going? Um, Where in the world are you right now? Hi, Michael. It's so nice to be here. I'm actually in Montana, um, living in a yurt in somebody's backyard. Wow, that sounds. I mean, that's quite the the distant location for where I am in in London right now. But that, in many ways, is the joy of this podcast, which is really about you know having those conversations with different people uh, around the world and in this community that can really kind of maybe you know give us some some gentle and kind words around ways to keep well during this time. But um, I mean, I was really interested and excited to have a chat with you. You know. You and I have connected through mutual friends and actually other people who've been on the podcast before. And I've heard all about, you know, the work that you do with connection and loneliness and compassion and and allowing people to see that. I mean, what what really is kind of your your biggest passion right now? What is the work that you that you really are focusing on? Well, first just thank you for thank you for asking and and for the interest and, and letting me share what I love. And you know, it's interesting because I I I've noticed in the past probably the past year that the way I talk about my passion has changed. I used to say that, you know, the height of my passion and the work that I do is based on connection because I do run a project that's called The Connection Cure. Um, But I think that uh, lately I've noticed that I actually lead with loneliness. Mm. Um, And so I would say that a big part of my passion is talking about and working towards destigmatizing loneliness. Right. Um, and, and also just the the beauty and the science behind both loneliness and 
and connection um, and how it affects our physical beings and our physical bodies and our biochemistry. Right. Um, and of course, our souls as well. <laughs> sure. And and maybe, I mean, before we, let, let's say, talk about the destigmatization of it, I mean, how, how, are, how are you or we defining it right now? Or how do you mostly see people receiving it? Receiving loneliness. Um, Sorry, uh, receiving or understanding loneliness is probably a better way to say it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a really good question. And, you know, loneliness is interesting because I think it, it is confusing for some people when they hear the word. Um, a lot of people make up their own kind of definition. And actually, that is the way that I think that loneliness should be recognized. It, it is a subjective experience um, and it is a subjective feeling, not a state of being. So, so the way that I would look at or that I talk about loneliness is that it's actually a feeling, not a state. So there, you know, it isn't the, the actual physical state of being alone. Um, it's the subjective feeling um, that you kind of have a desire to have more connection than, than is available or the longing to, to have, you know, more intimacy, more community um, and a desire to, to be with. Mm, I really like that. I mean, and, and how does that usually, I mean, with, with the people that you work with or the people you come across, how, how is that usually, I mean, what are, what are the symptoms of, or how does it usually show up in people's lives when they start to have this sense of feeling of loneliness? I know for me that, you know, there have been moments in my life of feeling lonely or being around people who maybe embody that sense of feeling lonely and it shows up in lots of different ways, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because, um, I live on the road full time. Um, and part of uh, what I do with my project is that I just meet people across the United States and um, just listen to their stories, listen to their stories of loneliness, of disconnection, of connection, of belonging and community. And, and what really fascinates me is, is kind of the actual just human experience of having the desire to be connected. And so for me, you know, what I notice, you know, in regards to the way people experience loneliness is, you know, we can talk about the science forever. And, and I teach a lot of the science because I find it fascinating because it's a way for us to just check in with our bodies and notice when we fall over the edge of alone into lonely. And I think that for some people, it shows up with a desire to have community. Um, for some people, it shows up with a desire to have more intimacy. For some people, it's like a social network. So I think, you know, it, it's so vast, you know, what it is to us individually. I think that inherently, you know, biochemically, we all experience the feeling of loneliness for a reason. And so the, the reason that I do the work that I do um, in terms of talking about loneliness and leading with it is that I really truly believe that in understanding our relationship with loneliness, it really helps us understand the beauty of the feeling. And, and that feeling is the precursor to connection. Right. Now, let me ask you this, of course. Now, you obviously just said that you live on the road full time. That, that in itself is quite a big endeavor. Um, where, did, where did that all come from? How did that start? Is, was this whole mission built off a, a personal kind of mission? Or was this something that was just a, let's say, an intellectual endeavor? I mean, how did you end up full time on the road? Yeah, no, it's de it definitely it uh, started off as a personal endeavor. And uh, it's taken, you know, such interesting twists and turns. And I actually started the connection here. Uh, it was, uh, it was meant to be an idea that came out of my positive psychology certification program. 
Um, when I was in the program, I started learning a lot about the science behind loneliness and also the science around what um, a social psychologist at the University of North Carolina calls micro moments of connection. Mm -hmm. uh, her name is Barbara Fredrickson. And so what she talks about is how brief moments of connection, not just with friends or family or loved ones, but with total and complete strangers have been scientifically proven to help change our body's biochemistry, increase our life's longevity. And so I was learning about both of these things simultaneously, holding both of these opposites, right? The science of how loneliness affects our physical body, how loneliness affects our brains and our immune systems and our sleep, um, and also simultaneously how connection does the opposite. And personally, I, I think that learning about loneliness helped me name that I had been suffering from loneliness for, for probably most of my life in, in different facets and partially because I have suffered from chronic illness and I've been unwell for, I had, had been unwell for a really long time. And I just became so, so overwhelmed and had I fallen in love with this topic so deeply I had this kind of wake-up call moment where I thought first I had to identify that loneliness was affecting my physical state um, I had to like really put the dots together you know and look at the big picture and notice that the way that I was isolating or the way that I was choosing not to reach out to not share fully all of myself to not ask for support how that was affecting my actual physical well-being. And are some of those like key factors in loneliness, like uh, not reaching out, feeling a bit reclusive? Yeah, you know, loneliness is interesting because I think it's a cycle. Oh, okay. It's it's the feeling of you know I, I all I want right now is a hug, or I wish that I had somebody that I could have a meaningful conversation with, right? And then the feeling like, why don't I have that? What's wrong with me? Is there something wrong with me? Is, do I, why, why don't I have that in my life? That turns into the cycle of that makes me want to isolate more because I feel like there's something wrong with me. And so the cycle of loneliness continues in that way. And what happens is you keep retreating. And oftentimes you keep retreating into yourself. And I think that loneliness, you know, the research has shown that it, loneliness can be a precursor to, to depression or, or just, you know, different mental states that make us kind of question a lot of things. And so I, for me personally, um, I don't think I was aware of what was happening, but, um, but my, my cycle of loneliness was a cycle that was just keeping me more insular um, and more, you know, more alone. And, and for me, the, my way out of that was, was this recognition of micro moments and how these brief moments of connection with, with strangers could actually affect my, my well-being and my state of being. And that in, its, in itself helped me explore a whole new realm. Um, and so just in relation to, to how the Connection Cure was born, I recognized my loneliness I, I felt into it. I, I learned to, to lead with it when someone said, how are you? Instead of saying, I'm fine, I would say, I don't know, I've actually kind of been feeling lonely lately. And then I started really noticing my micro moments. So when I would go out in Brooklyn, I would have a micro moment with, you know, the coffee, someone at the coffee shop or, 
you know, the guy at the bodega that I'd known for 10 years. And I would just pause after or within the micro moment and I would notice how it made me feel. And I started to notice that every time I had a micro moment, you know, those like moments when you're on the subway or mm-hmm. you're in the supermarket and you catch eyes with somebody and you just recognize that there's this like brief moment of connection. Yeah. And it can just, it has the ability to just shift your whole state of being. Absolutely. So I just thought, holy moly, what if I could heal myself through human connection? What if I could change my my body and my well-being and my state of being through connecting with strangers across the country? And that's how the project launched. Right. And when did it all launch? So it's been about it's been about four years. Um, it's been two two full years on the road and and about two years on and off the road. And going on the road was was that the big kind of moment where you're like, I really need to 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 see this through and put it into play. So I think that I I I you know there was so many different aspects of it. I think when I started doing these speaking engagements and workshops um, on the road. I started realizing that I had so much to learn, so much to learn about the United States, so much to learn about humanity, so much to learn about common humanity, so much to learn about, you know, different, different people and environments and, and stories. And that a lot of what for me was important was practicing and being part of an unlearning and a learning. And to me that, that really started to evolve when I left New York City. And I started visiting different communities and meeting different types of people. It was a practice in noticing my thoughts and my judgments and noticing my own state of being, noticing how I relate to people and how people relate. You know, there's so many facets that came out of this that I, that I wasn't expecting. And so I, I almost felt, you know, there was an exhilaration um, there was a there was a lot of fear, but there was an exhilaration of being on the road and having strangers open their home to me and getting to sit in people's living rooms who I had you know who were in you know rural Montana or in the Everglades or right. you know just different places all across the country and people that I had never met that just opened their doors. And how do you how do you find all these people? I mean, do you literally just walk up, park up, and knock on a door? No, so I mean, I, I mean, I kind of, but not really. When the project started, I thought this is not going to work. You know, I had this wild idea in my mind, and so I just put the word out. I I started doing workshops in New York just to see, like, are people interested in learning the science behind this and the and the practicing connection and learning the science about connection and sharing these micro moments and learning about this topic and and I I just I I fell in love with with the facilitation aspect of seeing people engage in this way and being a part of it. And so I just, it started off with me just putting the word out on Facebook. And I just said, does anyone know anybody that knows anybody who, you know, has a living room or a backyard or a a boat or a corporation Mm. or a nonprofit or who would be interested in learning about this topic? And I, I can tell you, it's been four years. Every time I get invited somewhere, I'm still shocked. Wow. You know, it when it started happening, I was invited into people's homes. And that was extraordinary. I mean, still to this day, you know, now I've like, you know, I speak at corporations and at universities and, you know, different places and 
I, there's something about a complete stranger reaching out to me and saying like, I'm going to gather 10 people in my house and host you. Will you come? There's something about that, that intimacy of, of showing up at somebody's door. Mm. And that, that is just, I don't even think I have the words for it. I mean, the feeling of it is, I mean, I don't know. The only thing that comes to mind as I'm thinking, I feel so lucky. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like a, a beautiful reflection or faith that humanity and kindness still exists. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm in the process of studying, um, studying compassion. And I think that as I've been on the road and thinking about like, where do I want to keep learning? Um, compassion to me has been something that I can't help but continue to notice mm. everywhere I go. And, you know, I've stayed in homes with people who have very different political beliefs or people who have told me they'd never had a conversation with a Jewish person or, you know, you know, all sorts of places where before leaving New York, I would have either been judgmental of or afraid of or and and to to step into a situation with compassion giving and receiving in some way and just sitting down face to face and having conversations has really, I don't know, just changed the feeling of what is possible mm. between humans. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think there is, I mean, now more than ever, the appreciation of face to face connection or lack thereof, or this understanding that we can, feel so much and learn so much and connect so much when we are in front of people when you can see them in the eyes when you can feel them in the same room there is i mean it is indescribable but yet palpable and profound all within just you know sitting next to someone and having a chat yeah yeah absolutely and that's that's to me why you know this topic of micro moments i find so extraordinary because not only are you feeling the emotion, right? Your mirror neurons are firing and you are mm -hmm. feeling what this other person is feeling, but your hormones are changing and your brain is shifting and you're being put into a parasympathetic state together and your, you know, vagus nerve is being stimulated and all of these things are, are happening in the body. And, and what's so incredible to me is that throughout the, you know, as we've evolved as humans, every single part of our body, from our brains to our nervous system to our, you know, to our blood cells, to our white blood cells, all of these different parts of us have evolved to support our ability and our need to connect and to be healthier when we do it, mm. even these brief moments. So then we think about, you know, actually there's a, a well-known uh, researcher at uh, Brigham Young University. Juliana Holt, Lunt Holdstead, and she's a social psychologist and, and she studies just kind of how social interactions, like what increases our lives longevity. And what she has found is there's two things that are, you know, two of the main factors that, that help us live the longest. And the second, the second factor that increases our lives longevity, the second most important is our, our deep, deep connections. So the, right, those are our, like our, our, our loved ones and our 
um, our, you know, our friends, the people that we have these deep relationships with, the people that we would call on if we needed help paying a bill. And then the number one factor in, in increasing life longevity is what she calls social integration. Right. And social integration are the people that we see in our everyday lives. And, and to me, just the, the, the noticing of those two things and the importance of them um, is, it's just, it's kind of just, a, it's just a beautiful thing to recognize, I think. Yeah. And I think it really is a powerful thing to recognize because a lot of the conversations that we all live in or have been raised in societally, wherever we are in the world, we have maybe a taboo around loneliness or we have a maybe a secondary focus on the importance of connection as opposed to success or achievement or you know um, this ability or capability and I think hearing you say this is really powerful because I think for a lot of people listening you know we we all have at times have experienced what it feels like to be lonely whether in small or in large and to hear that we can maybe look into the ways in which we can create connections to, you know, bring us away from that or lean us towards something more positive is a really powerful shift. Take a moment to download the Just Breathe app. It's our simple and easy to use app with guided meditations, music, and soundtracks created and recorded especially to calm the mind and ease the body. And now it has the ability to customize the length of your practice. We've literally put the power of mindfulness in the palm of your hands, and even more, it's free. We've created this app as a way to support our growing community, and it is for anyone and everyone ready to step into a quieter conversation. So go ahead and download the app now. It's on iPhone and Android devices. And for more information about our growing conversation on and offline, make sure you visit justbreatheproject.com where you'll find more podcasts, lots of amazing stories and video content, and conversations all around mindfulness in the real world. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at justbreathe. Have you noticed that maybe uh, the taboo of talking about it has uh, changed over the years, or is it still pretty steadfast and it takes a bit to pull it out of people? I think that in the last, I don't know, I I would say the last three years, the conversation around loneliness, specifically, I'm I'm speaking to the Western world, is is really expanded. There's been a, a much stronger emphasis on on how, you know this is an actual epidemic and this is this is something that we need to to start talking about um, because because it is a problem and it it does cause and open the door to, to chronic illness and inflammation in the body and um, and and it is something that is affecting humanity in you know in different ways for everybody but it is a problem you know in in the United States Cigna um, put out a study 2018 and what they found was that. 40, 47% of Americans are sometimes are always lonely. Right. And 43% feel like they don't have one person to have a meaningful conversation with. And I think that that statistic is probably very low. I think that it's probably, probably higher than that. 
Um, and I know that also in in um, in the UK they've they have a minister of loneliness. Mm-hmm. And I and you know I think a lot of universities are are also engaging in this conversation a lot more and putting more emphasis on um, how do we how do we increase face to face connectedness and and actually have these conversations around loneliness for young people. Um, and so so I do believe the conversation has shifted in my personal work. What I've noticed um, in the in the events that I do and the workshops that I host is initially um, the conversation around loneliness makes people feel uncomfortable because I think that people feel like, I mean, I can speak for myself, but I, I felt like, is there something wrong with me? Yeah. You know, when I was really, and I, and, and I'm not cured. Loneliness is a, is a natural human state. I still experience it a lot, but I'm able to recognize it in a different way now. But, you know, for me, I, I think in my mind, I was embarrassed. And so I notice when I go out there and, and I bring up the conversation, there's kind of people pulling back thinking, you know, well, you know, that's not me or, you know, I'm fine being alone. And, and again, you know, it's what you asked in the beginning, like, what is loneliness? What are we talking about? Um, it's a subjective state, but what I see happen is when we're in we're in when we're in community, and one person raises their hand or shares a story and and identifies and names their experience with loneliness, it just opens that door. You know, it cracks open that door for other people to say, "Well, I yeah, yeah, me you know I've been there too," mm. and and the wider that door gets, the more people enter. And so for me, you know, why, why I love the science is because it takes away that shame. It takes away that feeling of, you know, is it me? Did I do something wrong? And it makes us realize, actually, no, this is, loneliness was developed as an alarm clock for connection. And that, that was why, right? We, and, and to me, that that's such a beautiful aha, that we have this part of our brain the part of our brain that feels physical pain is the same part of the brain that feels social pain. And if there's only one small, you know, biological fact to take away from the conversation around loneliness, I always say it's that one because, because that's so fascinating that at some point as we evolved as humans, it became as important for us to recognize the physical feeling of pain. Like if I were to fall down and break my leg as it was to recognize the physical pain of being socially isolated. Yeah. Because that pain of social isolation would make us realize, oh, I have to I have to return. I have to connect. I have to you know, go back to my community. Yeah, and I think that's such a powerful point to recognize and I think maybe even for so many people to to realize that as you said scientifically it is an actual occurrence. It's not just what's wrong with me? What's wrong with this situation? What am I doing wrong? And there is an actual factual realization that loneliness or disconnection, you know, is is a valid experience and feeling. Yeah. And I think that's really what helps open these conversations and gives people permission because I think a lot of it is the permission to be lonely or to know that loneliness is an occurrence. But also it's not a a, you know, a single state that can't be changed or can't be um, grown from. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's, there's, um, I do a lot of, I'm kind of a a geek in the, in the reading and the research around this topic. Um, 
but there's, uh, uh, I think he's, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's a neuroscientist. His name is Matthew Lieberman, and he wrote this book called Social. And I, I find him really extraordinary because he talks about loneliness as a, as a superpower. Right. And I, I love that, that idea um, because I think, I think loneliness is beautiful. And, and it's just shifting that perspective on how is loneliness actually a superpower? Well, it's that identification of, you know, I feel like, what am I feeling right now in this state of being? My, my feeling is that I'm longing for more connection. And so that's just the, the aha of, okay, now how do I use this, right? It's like actually if someone were to just to tap you on the shoulder, right, and be and just say, oh, hey, you know, ask for a hug or call someone for support or, you know, go outside and wave to somebody or, you know, say hello. You know, and it's it's just it's it. I think that sometimes people think that it that it can be challenging, and the way the reason I love the concept of micro moments is because it, it's it's an understanding that we can actually ease into it. That these brief moments are actually equally as beneficial as these deep moments. Mm. But I mean, let, maybe let's talk about that just a touch more because, in yeah. the sense of listening to that and and hearing you and totally hear you of maybe the intellectual concept of loneliness being a superpower but in those moments where i feel lonely or someone feels lonely there is quite a a heaviness or maybe a negative perception and you know one thing is to maybe try to make those intellectual connections or awarenesses of but i think from personal experience from everyone's personal experience we can go well maybe but now I really don't feel like doing anything and that's making me feel a bit more disconnected. And I, I, you know, I get what you're saying, Lisa, but actually can we, you know, how do we talk about this when I'm actually feeling it as opposed to just talking about it from uh, a theoretical point of view? Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, that you make a great point, right? It's like I, the, the science is, is one aspect of it and recognizing that it's a, a superpower is, you know, one perspective, but what do you do when you feel lonely? I mean, you know, for yeah. me, you know, I was lonely for, for, you know, I can identify my loneliness existed for 10 years. Right. And I don't think everyone needs to move to the road to, to be engaging with, you know, with strangers, you know, consistently to, to shift it. But I, you know, my, my perspective on that would be that it's, it begins with a noticing. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times mm -hmm. we distract ourselves and again, I can speak for myself for, for a long time. I distracted myself from, from the noticing. And so for me, when I would feel the loneliness, I would, you know, watch Netflix mm -hmm. or I would, you know, do things that would distract me from the feeling of it. And so I didn't, I wasn't able to identify that it was actually loneliness. Um, and so the reason that I think talking about it is important is because, we need to be able to name it without feeling afraid of it. Yeah. And so the more I was able to like to 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 recognize and to notice that I was feeling sad, right? Or that the cycle was perpetuating, then then I was able to like then then the question is how do we challenge ourselves? And I don't think it has to be like a big courageous challenge, but I think it could just be okay, so I notice that this is what I'm feeling. And that takes, you know, the awareness, it takes the the moment, the pausing the sitting with myself and saying, what am I actually feeling right now? And then thinking about, okay, so, you know, if it is feeling like I want connection, what can I do? 
I mean, and, you know, I think loneliness is a, is a really big topic because there's so many different levels. There's chronic loneliness, there's momentary loneliness, there's, you know, there's different levels of it. And I think that it becomes dangerous when it, when it is a, when the cycle is repeating itself and you feel unable to pull yourself out of it. Um, but I think that the more aware we become of those moments when we're like, God, I feel, I'm feeling lonely, mm. right? And so you can watch yourself start to retreat. I mean, you know, I don't think there's a magic pill, but I think that, you know, one way to begin, you know, relating to your loneliness is just naming it and being with it. So you notice when you fall over the, I mean, I say the edge of alone into lonely and, and it takes, to me, it's taken practice and it began with me saying, okay, I feel lonely. If I don't feel like reaching out to a friend for support right now, how can I have a micro moment? Yeah. 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 Without awareness, it's, it's very difficult to create any actionable change or shift or, you know, move in any direction. Yeah. And I definitely don't mean to make it sound like it's, it's easy. I mean, I, I struggled and I still do. I'm surrounded by people all the time and I still struggle with loneliness all the time. For me, it's like a state of being in my mind. It's, it's like a mental place that I retreat to. And, and it, you know, I have been devoting every moment of my life to this topic for years now. And I still every day have to catch myself when my mind moves into, but I'm, but I'm alone, mm. but I, I feel like I don't have anybody, but, you know, and so I, you know, I love the science, but I also hear what you're saying. And, and I, yeah. and I would never want to, you know, take away how, freaking hard it is and how painful it is to feel lonely yeah and to feel you know disconnected and to think i don't know how i don't know how i don't know how to reach out yeah i mean and i think all of these perspectives are really really important and i actually really love the way that you've really taken a specific effort to separate alone and loneliness because even, I mean, for me, I would say there is a necessary, um, you know, there, there's a necessary amount of alone time that we need to be comfortable with in our lives. There's a necessary amount of familiarity we need to, to find our own well-being without people doing it for us. I mean, there is, you know, as you, I mean, there's an epidemic of loneliness, but there's also an epidemic of busyness. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, you know, the, 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 one of the greatest skills that we have all cultivated in, in Western society or civilization without even realizing it is the art of distracting ourselves without even realizing it. Yeah. Right. We're really good at having something to do. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, you know, it's, Oh, well, I don't need to be at home right now. I've got this party I can go to. I got that right. friend I can hang out with. I can surround myself with that class and that uh, event and whatever. And maybe there's moments and I mean, and let's call it a silver lining uh, of this kind of isolation period is that so many people have been given or gifted a moment to say, you know what, it's time to be alone for a little bit. I mean, could you speak to that? I mean, what kind of pros and cons or benefits or hardships have you seen or heard or personally experienced during this kind of isolation period? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, I can, I, I've, I have so many things going 
through my brain right now as you're talking. And uh, it's not a small question, but I mean, no, no, I figured I, since we've got you here, let's really go for yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's important. I mean, I, before I talk about the isolation, you know, it just had me thinking as you were speaking. What I, when you're talking about the busyness and the, and the distraction, you know, before I moved to the road, I was living in Brooklyn and, you know, my days were like, I was out running around from place to place, this subway to that subway. And, you know, I was, you know, I was all over the place all day long. I mean, when I think back to that time, I think, oh my God, how, no wonder I was so feeling so sick. Like I was exhausting myself and not only just exhausting myself from the, the actual physical busyness, but the, the, the anxiety of needing to be busy and trying to find busy wherever I could hold on to it. When I moved to the road, I was driving. So I'd be in the car for 12, 13 hours at a time. And you have to just look at the road. And I, what I saw happening over the years is that in the beginning, I was on the phone all the time and listening to podcasts and all these things. And as time went on, I just, I stopped. I just would have the windows down and I didn't even want to listen to anything. I just would sit with my thoughts and it's, it became just this time where I had to just be with whatever was there. And, and, and to me, that's, um, you know, holding of these opposites, right. Of the feeling of alone and, and being lonely. And I think that like that road time for me helped me really fall in love with the alone and notice the, the importance of it, even if it was painful. And so, you know, it, it's interesting now, you know, as you were saying, you know, this time of isolation where so much has been coming up for people and gosh, for me in a, in a very different way, um, I've had, you know, I've, you know, had so many interesting conversations and I've been running these um, groups uh, over Zoom of strangers coming together and engaging in micro moments about what they're experiencing during this time. Um, and it's just, as you said, Michael, you know, it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to distract myself, but at some point, even my distractions are getting tiring. Right. Yeah. And right. It's like, you know, people are, you know, people are feeling zoom exhausted and, and people are feeling, you know, people are just having to, to sit and be with, and, you know, and notice and I've had, it's interesting because I've had a lot of people in my life have said to me like, I don't really understand what you do, you know, or what you're doing or why. And in the past three months, I've had more people reach out to me in the la- than in the last four years and say, I get it now. Mm. You know, and I, and I think from, from what they're sharing is like, I get you wanting to talk about loneliness. I understand this importance of connection in a different way and and maybe how we haven't noticed how much those moments shift us or engage us or create us. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that this time of isolation is, is a painful reckoning mm. for some people. Yeah. Um, and also a beautiful reckoning at the same time. Yeah. Because it's one of those things that we sometimes forget to realize that we can never really truly understand anything until we've lived it or experienced it ourselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right? There's only so much that someone else can describe it for us or we can learn in a book or hear in a podcast. But until you've actually truly lived it and felt it, loneliness, joy, anything, 
it doesn't really completely, you know, resonate. Yeah. Or it doesn't really hit the sides. Yeah. I think you've actually, I think you're, yeah. I mean, that's it. You know what you just said, that's it. And I think people are having experiences that, that maybe they didn't know they could experience. You know, it's funny because for me, you know, I, my whole time on the road has been, it's been a mixture of both micro and macro moments, but you know, I, as I said, like when I started this project, I was like, I'm going to get to every state and I'm going to have all these micro moments. And, you know, I had this like vision and what ended up happening is, is that I, right before the pandemic, I, I ended up in Montana and I decided to stop for the longest period of time that I had stopped on the road, which is two months. I got my own place. And the morning that I was meant to leave Montana and get back on the road, the pandemic hit. And I ended up um, without a place to go or a place to be. And this family that I had recently met here took me in. They have a yurt behind their 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 house. Um, it's the a couple and two small kids. And I have been sharing sharing their home, which is like a, a small home, with them for for almost ninety days. Right. And I can say with 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 full honesty, I have had more growth, I think, personally, in relation to being pushed to notice myself in this space and how I connect and how I interact and how I retreat and how I push away connection and how I, I'm afraid of the thing that I desire. I've had more like moments of, of self-reckoning here mm. with this family than I think I have the entire time on the road. Mm. And that to me is, it's emotional and it's overwhelming and it's extraordinary and it's scary as hell. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, can, could, you, could you share any of those micro moments? Anything that kind of really stands out? Sure. I mean, well, you know, that's, that's what's interesting. It's like, I've been on this journey having all of these micro moments and meeting all of these people and all of these micro moments have led me here to this town in Montana where I ended up. And I think, you know, all of these micro moments have led me to this macro experience where I've shared, you know, 24 hours a day, every day with the same four people. And, you know, in this, in this, space in this context you can't hide there's no hiding the way you show up there's no hiding the way that you that your mood changes or your energy shifts and and what i'm and and, and what's so amazing to me about this experience is like my energy can shift an inch and the people that i'm living with will say what's going on something changed mm. and i have to face it i have to notice what am i doing right now to hide from from, you know, being vulnerable or like how, how are my patterns of disconnection showing up? Like I'm starting to notice the ways in which I've actually pushed away connection because of a story that I have in my mind, maybe that I'm unlovable or that, you know, there's something wrong with me or that I can do it on my own or I don't need any help. And I've had to face it and I've had to name it and I've had to, to, to name it out loud to other people. Yeah. And I've had to kind of put my tail between my legs and say, you're right. <laughs> you know? And I think, I mean, that's really fascinating as well. And actually what you've just said and actually sparked a thought in my head as well is that in a very unique, and I'm going to say maybe um, ironic or completely opposite for a lot of people, 
you know, they're in lockdown, they're in isolation, but I mean, you know, for a lot of people, they're isolating with a partner, families, close friends. And actually, you know, in a very strange, weird way, you're around people more than you might be at the same time. I mean, I know for me, I'm, I'm locked down with my partner. I've got my family, kind of obviously in the US, they're locked down with each other. And you know, there's lots of times where I kind of relish those moments where you go, actually, if this was happening in any other situation, I'd probably, you know, go for a walk. I'd probably, yeah. you know, go to, go to the cinema. I'd probably go to a yoga class. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd retreat to being alone yeah. as a way to disrupt a moment of vulnerability. Yeah. I mean, it's so, it's so interesting. I'm laughing because it's like, it's so complex. This whole thing is so complex, right? There's so many different facets that people are experiencing. There's people that, you know, that are alone that are actually isolating by themselves and having to, yeah. to, to go through that experience. And there are people who are isolating in community or with partners who are feeling lonely. And there are people who are, you know, who are isolating with people and, and having the experience of feeling connected or disconnected. And it's so interesting because, right, that going to the movies alone or going out to a meal by yourself or going to get coffee by, you know, it, you know, I haven't even thought of it. it. It's, it, you know, the way in which you're expressing it. It's like, we have to, we have to face each other, like our intimate connections. Yeah. There's so many moments where I think everyone might be able to relate to the fact that we can easily find comfort in being alone because then we don't need to face up to certain conversations or things or distract ourselves with uh, a, a deeper sense of connection and and that in its own right can feel can feel lonely because I feel like I am now alone dealing and confronting things I normally wouldn't have to or want to or need to and you know it's all in the spirit of growth and awareness and um, you know expanding the way we understand human dynamics but it can also be quite big and scary and frustrating and just new. Oh God, it's hard. Oh my goodness. I mean, being here in, in the in the in the space in which I landed in doing this work around loneliness and connection and, and actually being in a place where I'm being forced to really go so deep right now and 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 be witnessed every single day, morning to night. It is absolutely terrifying. I mean, I have had so much, I mean, I think like so many people that I've spoken to, like I've had so much emotion, you know, around having to be with all of these different feelings and also to be seen in those feelings, which I'm realizing for me is a place that has been terrifying for a long time. Like mm. To actually be seen in all of your crap and all of your mess and all of your fear and all of your you know, all of your loneliness and all of the stories you make up and all of the thoughts and beliefs you have about yourself for, for, for you to actually have to like show that and come clean and be open about it. That is, it's that, that is for me a huge becoming Yeah. that I didn't realize that I needed. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, uh, a teacher that I work with, she says, now is the moment we need to clean up the mess that we've made for ourselves. Yeah. And I think, I mean, to me, it just, it sparks that same idea of, you know, we are 
given this moment to to really look into these things to to be aware of them and you know for whatever it is and for however long it lasts i mean it is the recognition that the work is happening to us or for us or with us and how can we grow from it how can we build from it and continue to make it something that has uh you know a positive benefit for our lives yeah yeah and i think you know also the 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 meta view you know is you know how am i you know from a compassion perspective like how am i suffering um and and also how how do i honor my inner goodness and then at the same time how are other people suffering differently mm. and and how do i how do i also create space for that how are other people suffering differently than me you know whether it's in this home or in this community or you know in the country and it begins obviously you know maybe not obviously because it wasn't obvious for me but it begins with the self right yeah. and then you know how do we expand that awareness outward yeah absolutely that's really a really lovely way to put it I mean, my question for you as well, I mean, based on obviously all the things we've talked about and the and the things that you've kind of shared, you know, for people at home listening right now who can resonate with this idea or concept or feeling of loneliness, however we want to position it, what are, what what's something or what 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 are things that can be recognized and actioned right now? You know, if you're listening to this and you're sitting at home, you know, maybe by yourself and you're just going, you know what, I yeah, this is me. I feel these types of things. Is there is there first places to start, resources to touch in on, you know, a simple practice that can just kind of get you going in a direction of something of positivity? What 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 would you lean into? Yeah, I I've had people ask me this and I've been trying to think cuz I in my mind I think I should have like some really cool answer. <laughs> And I, and, and for me, you know, to me, it's, it's really a practice of just noticing when the feeling comes. I mean, the first step is because we're so used to distracting, it's just recognizing when the feeling shows up of, you know, yeah. what am I actually longing for right now? You know, or if, you know, when I feel disconnected or I feel sad or I feel heavy, feel it. And then feel what else is there, what's underneath that and what's underneath that. And if, if this, this feeling of, of loneliness arises, right, then it becomes, okay, what can we do about it? I think, I think that the, the naming it is so important and also mm. the sharing of that. Because every time one person says to another person, like, I've been feeling lonely, it gives that other person permission to also express that. And to me, it's almost like this ripple effect of, of people, of communities, of, of relationships being, you know, just identifying and, and allowing ourselves to have it be okay. So, you know, there's, I don't have like a really cool, hip, fancy answer. It's that, can it just, first of all, be okay? Can it be okay to feel lonely? And can it be okay to, to feel like I really just want support, you know, without making up a story of, of what that, about what that means about us. And then I would say from there, it's, it becomes these like micro, I, I mean, I call it, I, I say a micro moment, but really it's like, a, it's like just this, you know, we have this like brief moment where we can 
reach out or we can retreat. And I think it's about recognizing those brief moments of like, I know I could pick up the phone and call somebody or I could distract myself in some other way and scroll on Instagram, mm. you know? And, and, and I think that we all probably, and I don't want to say, actually, I take that back. I don't want to say we all. So many of us have the ability and the privilege of pe- to have people in our lives that we can connect with. And, and I think it's just about noticing, recognizing them and making use of the people that, that want to be there for each other, the reciprocity that's available to us. And, and, you know, because the reality is there are people that don't have that. And so if we do, if we can lean on that, you know, that is a great place to begin. And if we can't walk outside and go to the coffee shop to have a micro moment, what are ways in which we can create a micro moment with what we have? You know, how can we use technology um, in the way in which it was actually intended to be used to increase connectedness. Yeah. I think that is a beautifully simple and profound way of bringing it all together. And I, I know you said you were looking for a cool answer. I, I think that was about as cool as it gets because it, it really just reminds us how important it is to to be connected, to be kind and compassionate and, you know, to, to find the, the courage to reach out, but also at the same time, if you're feeling great, if you're having a, a, a wonderful day, call somebody, yeah. check in on, check in on other people. Sometimes, you know, sometimes those, those of us or people who aren't feeling like the, the tip top of, of their day, or maybe they're having a week of, of, of quiet or dare I say loneliness, you know, uh, a call from a friend you weren't expecting can shift a whole day. And sometimes, you know, those moments where you are feeling a bit down, you know, it is a big step to to reach out and, and yeah. message someone and call someone. So, you know, you know, it is that that nature of feeling like we can all do our part, even if it's just call a few people every day and just say, say hi. Yeah. I mean, if the statistics hold true, um, which is, you know, this 48% of Americans are sometimes are always lonely. That means that there's 50 per, you know, 52% of of the population that isn't. And so, you know, how do we use that, that feeling of, of, you know, connection to change somebody's day, right? How do we open the door to connection? The science, you know, I I hate that I keep saying that. Actually, I don't hate that. Mm. I I love the science. It just, in this simplest form, when you have these moments of connection, you're actually giving each other a reciprocal tune-up to the heart. And I think just in its essence, what a beautiful way to look at your day. Can connection be your purpose? And if so, whose heart do I want to give a tune-up to? And, and, And also the beauty of knowing that that's reciprocal. So as you give it, it's received, you receive it back to yourself. You know, it's, it's the giving and the receiving, it's the permission to be open. And, and I think that, yeah, could it be more simpler than just can connection be, be one of my purposes today? And who can I, who can I love? Mm. I mean, that, that is a really beautiful, beautiful way to wrap this up. Thank you so much. Lisa, for your time and for your wisdom and insight and, and just sharing a, a really honest perspective on on connection and loneliness. And I think for a lot of people listening, it is going to be little micro 
moments for them of re-engaging mm-hmm. their brain maybe right now and little light bulbs going off going okay let's let's be okay and know that it is okay when we're not okay yeah sometimes and uh it, it's a it's a really powerful thing and a conversation i think is really important to continue having and it's and it's really nice to hear anecdotally that you know in the past three months that you know the conversations have picked up the people have been reaching out to you about the topic and understanding more because we are all in this moment where loneliness and connection or disconnection is very much front and center yeah yeah and and thank you thank you for you know it's interesting i think just your your state of being and the way that you are just pulls out i think a different level of depth in conversation um, and so thank you for letting me go to a place I think I just, I haven't gone to in a long time. And just in terms of reflecting on how my relationship to loneliness and connection, even in the last three months has completely shifted. Mm. So it's been, a, it's been interesting for me to just to hear myself. I'm like thinking, what am I saying? <laughs> you know, it's all, it is all new for me as well, um, as it is for all of us. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. And, you know, I I welcome many more chats between us. And I think what you're doing is a fantastic thing, not only with your mission with the Connection Cure, but also the the bravery and the courage to to put it into practice in your own life, which I think for so many people, it is very easy to talk about it. And it's a different thing to say, you know what, I'm going to go experience it. I'm going to go live it. I'm going to go feel it and find that truth for, my, for myself, which ultimately is going to, we hope, help so many people uh, around us and the people we come in contact with. So thank you for for being you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I feel like I'm going to end this conversation and, and, and think a lot, <laughs> think a lot oh. for the rest of the day about what we talked about. So I appreciate Beautiful. that. Well, thanks so much, Lisa. What's what is the best way for people to stay in touch with you, to connect with you, to find out more about what you're doing? Where where can they where can they find you? They can find me at theconnectioncure.com or follow me on Instagram at Lisa Darren. Um, but all of that stuff is on my website. And uh, yeah, that's where that's where most of my stuff lives right now. Beautiful. Well, guys, if you're listening to this, please uh, you know, follow along and connect with Lisa. Um, you know, stay in touch and really, you know, use these conversations as a way to, uh, you know, give yourself a little moment to to be aware of conversations that are so powerful and important during this time. Thank you guys for listening so much. Thank you, Lisa, for joining us. This has been an episode that has, for me, been really insightful and beautifully powerful to hear in the ways that we can continue to expand our perspective. Um, For those of you guys listening in who are always listening in, thank you for being with us on this journey. As always, help us spread the word. These conversations are powerfully important, especially right now in the world. Um, And if you would uh, be so kind to join us on Apple Podcasts and give it a little rate and review and keep the conversation spreading, it is more than meaningful. So thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next time on The Quiet Life.